as it says there, like I said, it's time-sensitive stewardship. And, you know, you can only... <clears throat> seems like a long time life, this, this... Sometimes it seems like forever, right? Especially when you're a young kid and, you know, you wait till you're... When you're a teenager, a young teenager, you turn 13 and you can't wait till you hit 16 because at 16 you're going to be able to drive, right? And... And I remember as a kid, you know, even to this day, it seemed like an eternity from 13 to 16. It just, it seemed like it took forever to get there. Because that first, first opportunity that, that I got to get wheels and to get a little bit more freedom, man, it was so tantalizing. I mean, it's just out there. It's just like, you know, big fat ribeye sitting on the grill, right? It's like, man, I just can't wait till that day comes and... and and it seemed like from 13 to 16, it took forever. And it's like, you know, every month and every week that clicks by that, you know, you had to do driver school at that time, right? And, you know, you entered it at 15 and a half so that you hopefully by 16, you could be driving, right? Well, you know, I, I had a stepbrother who was six months older than me. So rather than, rather than I start when I was supposed to, he, they like met in the middle. So he was six months older than me, and so we did driving school at the same time, which put us both delayed, right, for it to work out. And they waited till the summer months because it was easier to, to manage. And it, I just remember thinking, man, I could have started this way back in, in, in January, and here it's June, you know, and, and it's five months difference, and it seemed like an eternity, right? You're just like, I can't believe that it's not that big of a deal to you guys. It was huge. It was monumental to me. And, it, and you know, you, now you look back on it from a parent's perspective, and they don't allow uh, other kids in the vehicle until they're 18, I think, now, right? Unless they're your siblings. That's a good law, by the way. I can tell you from personal experience, that's a good law. Might have saved me from some potential issues uh, when I was 16 years old, but you could see why some of those things come come around. And so, but my point is, is that you look at that three or five month window, and it's it seems like an eternity. And uh, I have a quote here. It says, or a statement, more or less. It says, in each day, there are 24 hours, 1440 minutes, 86,400 seconds, and every one of them is a precious gift from God. Time is something that we feel we never have enough of, yet we give it away so easily. Someone once said, time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you've lost it, you can never get it back. There's a lot of truth in every one of those statements, every one of those things. And so, time-sensitive stewardship. You know, in the 90th Psalm, go ahead and turn there with me. Something that is, I think, familiar scripture to all of us.
in verse 10, it says, As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone, and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? So to each of us, uh, so teach us, sorry, to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. You know, in, in light of, in light of uh, Sister Mayo's and Sister Linda's passing, you know, it, it's, it, I'm reminded of the scripture and I thought, you know, it fit uh, so well. You don't always know how things are going to go. But the scripture is given to us. It says, look, 70, 80 if you're strong. We can't get around that. You or I, there's nothing that we can do to change that. Nor I don't think any of us would really want to change that. Really, when you look back on life. But it's, we're given a finite window. A very small window. Time and, and death, there's a correlation there. It, you know, the thing that I just, I just read to you about, it says you can own it. Or you can't own time, but you can use it, right? You can't keep it, but you can spend it. And life is kind of the same thing. This is just a rental. It's just we're only here for a short period of time. And life is the correlate, correlated to that because you look at it, you can use it, but, but you don't own. We don't own our lives. We don't own our time here. We don't own our lives. We can't keep our lives either. But we can spend our lives. We can choose the things that we do. How we spend it, where we live, jobs we have, cars we drive, the things that we choose to entertain ourselves, right? But it's all a gift. And you look at, you think, you know, as a kid, you know, if, say, for instance, you're 16 years old, you look at that and you go, Man, if the scripture tells me I got 70, 80 years, 80 years on the strong side, man, that's, it seems like an eternity. Until you lose somebody that fits that category and you look at it and it goes by in a flash. Suddenly, 70 isn't that long after all. It goes by so fast. We're given a finite window to cherish Pardon me. To cherish the, the, the time that we have with folks and uh, take every opportunity that we can to be loving toward one another. 
Sorry. In Colossians chapter 4, if you would turn there with me. says in verse 5, it says to conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And the idea that 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 he's talking about in in Colossians chapter 4 there is that we conduct ourselves with wisdom, making the most of the opportunity. In other words, we know that every interaction and every opportunity that we have with somebody is is limited. We don't know how long we will be around somebody. There's, you know, we don't know how long if it's a job or a place that you're working, the people that you work with. There's so many different things that that come up in life that you just you don't know how long you have with somebody. And, and and I'm not trying for us to be, although I am emotional this morning, I'm not trying to be overly emotional concerning those things, but you have to recognize that this life is short. And wherever wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, and, and the people that are that have entered into your lives, they're they're only gonna be there for so long. We take for granted sometimes that they're always there. There will come a time where they're not always there. The people and all the things that we have. And so you have to, we have to have the understanding that life and the time here is precious. And that the things that we do here are in preparation for the things to come. They're in preparation. They're, they're proper stewardship. The time that we spend, look, how many times that, you know, I was looking at, so an article here recently, you know that they ran a, a figure and they said about 8% of our life is spent in front of a television. If you're to take the average lifespan of a 70-year-old person, 8% of your life, like 30% of it's sleeping, 22% working. You look at that and you go, what, what? I'm sorry, I'm a figures person, so I remembered all those things when I read it. But you look at that and it's like, well, it's kind of an interesting Concept. Well, if you take the quantification, and that's a modern correlation, you know, eight percent of your life is spent in 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 uh, in uh, in front of a TV. Did you know religion quantifies approximately a half a percentage point? You're like, Ooh, what does that mean? Well, I think it's a little bit different for for everybody. There's there's uh, there's standard deviations and things like that that you have concerning all that stuff. However, there was a dramatic difference. In other words, we could spend a lot of time in front of a TV or in front of a computer screen and really doesn't help us. It's not beneficial. It's not making the most of our time.
Ephesians chapter 5. He says in verse 15, and this is, this is for all of us, okay? Look, every single one of us has been, and now God knows it. God knows the allotted time that each and every one of us has. And we'll get to the concept of time and its importance and value in our world as it is versus the God's. It's not, it's not looked at the same, which there's a lot of freedom and a lot of gratification, at least from my standpoint, when you read those things. And so... In Ephesians chapter 5, it says in verse 15, it says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to each one one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart, to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another um, in the fear of Christ. And you say, well, you know, what he's talking about there is it really gives him a really good idea. He says, hey, make the most of your time. You know, you look at this and you're saying, don't get drunk with wine. You say, hey, getting drunk's bad. Drunker? Why is it bad? Because instead of spending your time doing things of value, you're wasting and squandering your time being retarded drunk. Excuse me, probably shouldn't have said it that way, but you understand what I'm saying. If you spend your time being a drunkard, you are wasting the time that God has allotted to you to do something of significance. He's called you to a job. He's called all of us to go to work, to live a certain way. To, there's, a, there's a reason for all the things that we do. You see, it's not just so a preacher can get up and tell you that this is the right way to live or you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do that. It's because you're being judged by those things. It's because that we are being evaluated by those things. And the more time as a steward, the more time that we spend wasting our time doing fruitless things, The more time we do that, the more we'll have to answer for when the Lord returns. You got caught up in all this tertiary stuff out here. None of this stuff matters. You got caught up doing all these different things. And it's look, I just told you to go to work. I put these people in your path. I put these people in your life. I wanted you to utilize the time properly. Time is a gift from God to us. There is an absolute misconception out there that you own your time. Time is a gift to you and I. Our life is a gift from God. If we've put our faith in Christ, everything that we have is a gift from above. We are His stewards. We have willfully, we talked about it in the series of messages that I've brought in, right? We have talked about that when we come out of those baptismal waters, we led that we left that dead person in those waters and came out to walk in a newness of life. With that newness of life, look, salvation is a gift, amen? 
We, it was read this morning. There's nothing that you and I can do that will deserve His grace and His mercy and His salvation. There's nothing on this planet that we can do. It is a gift besides put our faith in Him. Living a Christian lifestyle is understanding that we have a responsibility to live a certain way according to, get this, your own, according to your master. According to your boss. Every one of us in here has one boss. And he makes all the calls. He calls all the shots. But he's a sovereign God. He's also a fair and just God. He allows us to make decisions. In that freedom, he allows us to make good decisions and bad decisions. Why would he do that? Because he's a just God. In order for us to make good decisions, there has to be the opportunity for us to make bad decisions. Otherwise, we're just robots. You know, the importance of in, in Ephesians chapter 5, and, and I don't know if Brother Chad has any uh, Ephesians chapter 5 in his, in his notes, but this captures the essence of speaking life. You, you, I've heard some people get caught up on this. It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody with your heart, the Lord. You go, why is he saying that? It's in sharp contrast, sharp contrast. He says, don't get drunk with wine. This is dissipation. You're filled, but be filled with the Spirit. So he says, don't spend your time doing this. Spend your time doing this. He gives them a, 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 just like in the Proverbs where you go righteousness and unrighteousness. He gives them both examples. He says, look, spend your time doing things that add value to yourselves. Spend your time speaking life to people. Promoting. Listen, the world is bad, is a bad enough place as it is. We, look, it beats, it beats us all down. And there are a lot of ruthless people out there. There's a lot of challenges and a lot of things. When we come together, when we come here, brethren, this is an escape and it's a, it should be a safe haven from the world. It's an opportunity for us to utilize our time properly. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I know, familiar scripture for most of us in here. <laughs> as much as it pains us, right, to sometimes realize this, and it says in verse 1 there in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill, and a, time, a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to throw stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to shun embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. 
a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which they occupy themselves. He says in verse 11, He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart. Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from them from the beginning to the end. I know that there's nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that everything God does uh, will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it and there's nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. That which has already been, been already, and that which has already been, for God seeks what has passed by. Furthermore, I have seen under the sun that in, in, in the place of justice there is wickedness, in the place of righteousness there is wickedness. I said to myself, God will judge both the righteous man and the wicked man. For, the, for a time, for every matter, and for every deed is there. I say to myself, concerning the sons of men, God has surely tested them in order for that they may see they are but beasts. For the fate of the sons of men and the fate of the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. Indeed, they all have the same breath, and there is no advantage for man over beast, for all is vanity. All go to the same place, all came to dust, all return to dust. Who knows what the breath of man ascend who knows that the breath of man ascends upward to the breath of the beast ascends downward to the earth? I have seen that nothing is better than the man should be happy in his activities, for that is his lot, and who will bring him to see? What will occur after him? There is an appointed time for everything. It is an observation. There is a time for all these things. And so they're matter of fact and they're facts of life, I guess you could say. And it, there is a certain amount of time for, for all these things to take place. And so as much as sometimes we, you know, we, we think that we're so much more different than the average person. We're not. We're human. Look, at the end of the day, we're given a a small window. At the end of the day, you're given a certain amount of time. You know, being a father, it helps you to understand that uh, to a lot. You know, when you first have your, your, you know, your first kid or your first first child, man, it, it changes everything. It changes your perception of everything. And you blink, and they're 14 years old, right? Or, and, and, you know, you start out, you carry them, you do everything for them. And then you realize, man, it, they don't hardly need me for anything. It's like, no. I always tell people, you know, that's the, that's the part about parenthood that they don't tell you. It's, not, it's the least fun part. I understand it's bittersweet and you want to raise your kids to be good servants of the Lord and citizens and so on and so forth. But them growing up, man, is not fun, especially when you come to the realization that you can't even pick your kids up anymore. Or if you do, you look really awkward doing it. You know what I mean? 
which I'm not opposed to doing, but but you know, you just you sit back and you go, where did the time go? It's like that. It's fast. In Romans chapter twelve. Now I will, I really would like to, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but you go back and, and read the whole uh, 12th chapter. But he says in verse 4, it says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. A prophecy according to the propitiation of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in, in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. He says, he goes on and says, basically, folks, he says, look, I've given you all a gift. And I do believe that everybody in here has a purpose. God has called to this assembly. There is a reason. There is, there is, there is something there. And the contribution that you have is, is that there is an expectation out there that you use what that is. If it's in your ability to sing or play musical instruments, do that. If it's in your labor, you do that. If it's in your service to, to serving one another and, and, and helping out, then that's your responsibility to one another. But it's, it's more than just your responsibility to one another, you see. You only have a limited window, right? It's your responsibility to your boss, to your God. And so you have to understand, we all have to understand that, that we have that level of responsibility. And, and sometimes it takes us a while to see what, what God's impressed upon our hearts, where he's leading us, and what is most effective for the assembly. You go, why would you look at it? What's most of, now, here's the deal. It's the most effective for the assembly. Right? God's called you to help out his people. To contribute. He's not calling you for your own personal gain. This is this is different. Right? At work, in your places of employment, we do things to gain an advantage sometimes to get the best raise or re- receive the most compensation, right? If you don't then I would suggest there's a, there's a right way to do those things. And it's not a bad way to do things. 
there's a, a, a right way. So, oh, I don't want to be known as a brown nose. Okay, cool. Sit on the sidelines. Watch somebody else get your money. There's a right way to do things. And there's also a wrong way. <laughs> right? But, uh, you look at it and you go, well, what do you mean? Look, we're given a window. We're given time. We're given skills. We're given talents. We're given abilities. All he's saying in, in Romans chapter 12 there is just use them. Put them to work for the furtherment of God's people, not for the furtherment of your own personal desires. There's a big difference. You know, showing preference, he said they're showing preference to one another in love. Well, why would you do that? Because that's putting the body and your brethren's needs before your own. Oh, people don't have to be really smart, but they can tell right away if you're being selfish or you're being selfless. They may not be able to describe it in, in elaborate words, but they can tell when someone's being selfish versus selfless. Pick up on it real, real quick. When you're being selfless, you don't care. You're just there to help. When you're being selfish, it's about you. And God doesn't want that. The, the world does that. We do that enough, right? In and over our own lives sometimes. Doesn't mean that he won't allow you the opportunity to do it for yourself. Just realize that there's, there's you know, some consequences that go along with that. And I don't think they're eternal. I just think that there's, you know, there's some interrelationship type things that will come up. You go, well, this never works. It doesn't work that way because you're selfish. People know when you're selfish. Because they don't, they don't get a genuine concern when you approach them. If you approach them with genuine concern and you want to help, they will let you in. If they get the idea that you're using it for leverage or you're using it for some kind of opportunity or you have some kind of angle to use it for, they will not let you in. This very thing, I'll give you it. This, this very thing that you could ask somebody, hey, is everything all right? If they love you and if they feel that your concern is genuine, if they miss church and you call them and you ask them, hey, is everything okay? Gauge the response. If they go, oh, yeah, you know what? I was sick. I'm, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. Or, you know, they'll, they'll be very honest with you, right? And if someone responds back, no, don't, you know, basically, I'm fine. Don't worry about it, right? Kind of thing, right? You're like, uh, wait a minute. That means they're not letting you in. They don't trust you. There's a big difference. Well, what do you mean? Well, maybe you're not supposed to be making that call. Maybe you are. I don't know. It just depends. It also depends a lot of other circumstances that are out there too. And my point is that you look at that and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, you have to work on relationships. You have to have that time that we spend together, right? Utilizing that time to build a cohesive unit and to be your part in that, in that process. He tells them to abstain from certain behaviors and deeds, but why? Why? Because they're a distraction. Because we've already been given responsibilities, you see. That would be like you going to work or it'd be akin to you going to work and the boss giving you a, a job description and saying, here's what I want you to do. You don't like that job description, so you start doing that guy's job. Now, you may be better than that guy. You may do it 10 times better than that guy over there. 
not the job God gave you to do. You neglected the responsibilities of the job that God has given you to do so that you can do somebody else's job. Therefore, guess what happens? In the job situation, you're called into the office and usually reprimanded. I didn't ask you to pay attention to those things. In the, in, in the religious world, in, in, in the spiritual world, we suffer the consequences that are associated with that. What do you mean? Well, the Lord says, okay, fine, I'm not going to give you any more because you can't seem to handle the, the little bit that I've given you. You're not going to get any more. Now you turn the corner, you'll get some more. We've already been given a job to do. These things detract us from the goal. It also, it also detracts from the successful completion of the objective that God has called us to do and the corresponding blessings that are associated with that. You understand what I'm saying? God blesses. He, he, you say, well, you know, the Lord blesses us with this life. He's blessed us with lots of blessings. Yeah, absolutely. But he gives us incremental blessings along the way too, doesn't he? It's just like at work. If you, you know, you've been an employee for 25 years, you get, you know, I, it, you, know you go to work and you get, you get pay raises. You get maybe some bonuses, maybe some perks and some things along the way. We say, well, everybody should get that. Okay, this ain't communism. That ain't, the, that ain't the way this works. And especially in a competitive world. Worst thing we ever had was unions. You know, you go, what? Okay, they had a great time in American history. But they are the worst thing to the, to the modern day worker. Absolutely the worst thing. They drive down competitiveness in work environments. But that's another subject for another day. The point of it is, is you go, well, everybody gets this. No, not everybody gets the same. That's not how it works. The Lord says, I'll give you this little bit. Take it and use it. Okay, you use it. You do well with it. He gives you a little bit more. In what that comes, incremental blessings along the way. You did well. Good job. Here's more. You did well. Here's more. So when we are distracted by what other people are doing or what other workers or what other stewards are supposed to be doing rather than what we're supposed to be doing, we rob ourselves of the incremental blessings that he's already got set aside for us. They're sitting on the table just waiting. I mean, I'm just waiting for you to do a good job. In Romans chapter 13, just one chapter over, in verse 11 at the end of the chapter there, it says, Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, nor in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make more provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. In other words, enough time has gone by. You read that, it says, look, enough time's gone by. Treat each day as the precious opportunity that it is. Our behavior is proper because we have the proper understanding 
that our time is short and the window is tight. A deliberate, methodical, healthy, and reasonably expeditious approach in our stewardship. I'm going to repeat that again, okay? Because that's, I do believe, very important. Because a deliberate, methodical, healthy, reasonably expeditious approach in our stewardship. In other words, it's not by accident. We got a plan, right? Deliberate, not by accident. Methodical, we have a plan. Healthy, in other words, we don't run around with our hair on fire because that's not healthy, okay? You know, you, you got a little bit of time here. Use the time that's, just, that, that's appropriate, right? And reasonably expeditious. In other words, look, we understand that our window is tight so that we're going to be as effective as we can for the short time that we're here. The short time that God has given you. Listen, I stand before you guys today and I, I hopefully you guys understand that, look, my time here may be short. I don't know. God knows. He, he sees ahead in the future. I don't know where I'm going to be in 20 years from now. You don't know where you're going to be 20 years from now. 10 years from now sometimes. We don't know what kind of life changes are coming. We don't know what kind of, what, what kind of, you know, sometimes a wrench is thrown in or maybe it's a blessing. You know, you never know. You never know what God has set aside for you. Matter of fact, you take a look around the room. There's a lot of us sitting in here and going, well, I don't even know really how I ended up here. <laughs> I mean, you can look back on it and realize, okay, here's some of these things, right? But what's brought you here to this day, you look at it, but you couldn't have sat down and wrote down that plan. Nope. Remind, go back to yourself 10 years ago. Me, 10 years ago. Here's my plan. And you're here. Yeah, I'm not so sure it would be drawn up that way. Right? But God, in His divine purpose and His divine providence in our lives, has brought about some pretty miraculous changes. So my point for bringing all that up is so that you can look at that and go, Oh, I get it. I get it. It's not my will, it's his will. I'm just a steward of time. I have a, I have a limited window for wherever I'm at with, it, with whomever I'm with. I just got to make the most of my opportunities. In 2 Peter chapter 3, I will conclude with this, this scripture here. We already know the Lord's coming back. And we already know that Jesus wins. The, the, the final score has been given to us. It really has. There's no question, hopefully... Anybody sitting in here? There's no question as to whether or not God's coming back and that he wins and that, God, that Jesus wins and he redeems his people, right? Amen? Well, then what are we doing? Making the most of our time while we're here. Because we already know the conclusion. And we already know our God wins. Amen. We just got to make the most of our time. Verse 8, 2 Peter chapter 3 says, But do not, do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, 
and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some counsel on us, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Wait a minute. Yes, you and I, everybody sitting in here, we are governed by time. God is not. God existed before time. God created time so that man could have some kind of quantification of his existence. Listen, we're governed by the fact, I read some of those, those things to you this, uh, at the beginning of this, like there's 24 hours in a day, 1,440 minutes in a day as well, right? So you go, wow, that's, that's a lot of minutes. doesn't matter to God. And it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that sometimes for us to be able to say, well, wait a minute. Well, he controls time. He can turn back a clock if he wants. He can stop time. What do you mean? He's in control of it all. He's given time to you and I so that we can prove to be good stewards, that we can be responsible for our time here. Now, understand this. Salvation is different. Salvation is a gift. But with that gift comes responsibility. So the, the good steward understands, this is for, important for us to recognize, the good steward, us, understands what God has done for us. And that drives our responsibility and our understanding of that. We know of the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. And it drives a seriousness into our responsibility and our time that is important for us to take advantage of. He exists outside of time. He exists, he predates time. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, and you could spend a lot of time understanding those things. And, and you know, yeah. and people go, how long will you wait on the other side? That's how we look at things. That, that's, that's through these eyes. On the other side with the Lord, there is no time. Which is really hard for us to get to, to ra- try and wrap our minds around. There is no time. It doesn't work that way. The rising of the sun and the setting of the sun and the, and the moon and all the things that we know and exist that we can just, we can, we can, we base our whole lives on. That's thrown out the window. That is a temporary viewpoint on an eternal existence. We can't mix the two. We serve an eternal God. We just got to understand that we view our eternal God through a temporary lens. And then when we receive his his spirit-filled body, that physical lens is removed and we can see him spiritually as he has designed us to be. We got a limited window, brethren. And your time is valuable. My time is valuable. But you all have been entrusted with a certain amount of time. I'm just here to help you recognize that and utilize it properly. I'm not going to do it for you. That, it doesn't work that way. God doesn't do it for me. He's not going to do it for you. I'm not going to do it for you. He's given us 
that window. I'm, I'm here to just raise the awareness level for you all, for everybody to go, look, the window is small. Utilize your time. Seize those opportunities. And your time is a part of your stewardship, a fundamental part of your stewardship. May the Lord bless you.